We're in a series presently that is answering the question, what is the church? And today, our answer to that question is that the church is a community of faith that submits to Jesus. And so we want to talk about what that submission looks like. And I want to share with you today just three things that characterize that submission to Jesus. As we gather on this Memorial Day weekend, and we think about all of the wonderful things that God has given to us, one of the greatest gifts that he's given to us through Jesus is the ability to be able to gather as the church. And as we gather as the church and we read the scriptures, we see very clearly in them that God has ordained and designed the church to carry out his plan on the earth, the plan of making him famous, the plan of advancing the gospel, and as a result of that, making disciples. And as we rejoice in and maybe even take comfort in the fact that God has given us so much, we need to remember that all of these things come in our stewardship and under our stewardship, so that all of the gifts that we have and all of the things that we enjoy, from freedom to all of the resources that we have, which many in this world can only dream about, we have a responsibility to advance the gospel and make disciples while submitting to Jesus and his headship and his lordship. Now today I'm going to try to answer the question, what is the church, by talking about submission to Jesus. But I don't want you to forget that the church is made up of individuals. So all of us individually coming together make up the church. And the reason that I say that is because I want us to all consider where we are personally and individually with the things that we're going to talk about. You see, we talk about the church being under the headship and the lordship of Jesus. Our passage that was read earlier clearly lays out that Jesus is the head of the church and that the church is supposed to submit to Jesus. But the way that that happens corporately is if each individual who makes up the church personally submits to Jesus as Lord of their life. That's how it happens corporately. And it can't happen corporately unless it is happening individually. So with that in mind, could I ask you to join me in an attitude of prayer? I want us to look inside before we even get started today. Just take a moment, bow your head, close your eyes if that helps you focus on what we're going to be looking at this morning. And as we do bow our heads and close our eyes I just want you to think about where you are individually and personally today. Where are you when it comes to Jesus being Lord of your life? The first step in being able to submit to Jesus as Lord of your life is believing in him and his gospel for salvation from your sin. And maybe as you're gathered with us this morning, you think about your life and it becomes clear to you that you've never done that. You've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. Well, we want to invite you to do that today. 
Maybe you're here, you've already believed. And as we talk about Jesus being Lord of your life, perhaps the Holy Spirit has already brought to your mind an area, or maybe more than one area, where he really isn't in charge and he isn't in control. And you're holding back that area from him because you don't want to give it up. Let me encourage you today as you listen to the study, listen to the message, to be willing to give Jesus first place and control over that area in your life and find yourself submitting to his lordship. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the head of the church and Lord over all. And God, as we think about that in relationship to the church, help us to think about it in relationship to us being individual members of the church. God, I ask that if you speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit about any area today that isn't submitted to Jesus and his lordship, that we would have the courage and the grace to take growth steps today so that we can change for your glory. If we were honest today, Father, we would all have to admit that we came in here with some baggage because none of us are perfect. Help us to understand that we don't have to be perfect because Jesus was perfect. But also help us to be willing to lay down those things that are burdens to us today, to lay down those bad decisions, the the sin that might be in our life, the wrong motivation, the wrong thoughts, words, and actions, and help us to lay them down at the cross today, receive forgiveness, and take steps toward lasting change as we submit to your Lordship. Father, speak to each one of us in exactly the way that we need to hear from you today. And we'll give you the praise in the strong and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. When we talk about being a community of faith that submits to Jesus, we're really talking about pursuing Christ passionately, putting him in first place, making his desires and his plans and his will priority above anything and everything that we have. Can I share with you a a few thoughts about this that others have, have written and said? We need to pledge ourselves anew to the cause of Christ. We must capture the spirit of the early church. Wherever the early Christians went, they made a triumphant witness for Christ. Whether on the village streets or in the city jails, they daringly proclaimed the good news of the gospel. The church of God, apart from the person of Christ, is a useless structure. However ornate it may be in its organization, however perfect in all of its arrangements, however rich and increased with goods, If the church is not revealing the person, the person of Christ, lifting him to the height where all men can see him, then the church becomes an impertinence and a sham, 
a blasphemy and a fraud. And the sooner the world is rid of it, the better. If we go to church just to be with one another, one another is all that we will get, and it isn't enough. Eventually, our deepest unmet needs will explode in anger at one another. Putting community first destroys community. We must put Christ himself first and keep him first and treat him as first and come to him first again and again. So when we talk about submitting to Jesus, we're really talking about putting him in first place and really submitting to him as Lord of our life. I am not going to read through Ephesians chapter 5 again. That passage was read for us earlier. We are going to look at some of the verses in Ephesians 5 because I want to share with you three words that are found, the concepts of which are found in Ephesians 5 that I think are going to explain to us what should characterize and what will help us submit to the Lordship of Christ. The first word that I want to talk to you about today has to do with our motivation, and I'm calling this willingness. The fact that we would be willing because we are motivated by the love of Jesus for us to submit to him. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 1, we find these words, follow God's example. One other translation says, be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Now, those words in verses 1 and 2 come immediately before a list of things that God says to us as believers, as part of the church, okay, things that we must stay away from. We're going to talk about those at the end of our study today. But I want you to see the flow of the passage because this is important to understanding submission. You find here that love is the theme right off the bat in Ephesians 5 before Paul starts writing about all of these things that should not be characterizing those who are submitted to the headship and the lordship of Jesus, his church. And he says, don't forget this church, Christ loves you. And he demonstrated that love in an incredibly profound way by giving himself up for you. He died for you. Be motivated by that. Don't ever forget that Jesus died for you. Don't ever forget that he showed and he proved his love for you by dying on the cross to pay the penalty of your sin. Don't ever forget that. And as you recall that truth, and as you allow that reality to permeate your heart and profoundly impact you, you make sure that you allow that to motivate you to live the kind of life that God wants you to live through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. So this thing of submission to Jesus is something that we should be motivated to do willingly. It ought to be the way that we respond to all that Jesus has done to, for us and given to us. 
It should be the natural thing for us to do as believers. It is unnatural as a human being in our depravity. But it should be what is generated from us because Jesus loved us so much, we should want to submit to his lordship and his headship in everything. If you still have your place in Ephesians 5, and I would recommend keeping it there on your device if you can, or your hard copy uh, throughout our study, because I'll be looking at various verses. Could you look at verse 25 with me too? And we're going to see this idea and theme of love continued. In verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Look at verse 29 with me. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. Christ feeds and cares for his church because it is his body, for we are members of of his body. Be motivated to submit to the lordship and the headship of Jesus because he loves you so much. What about 1 John chapter 4? Do you remember that short verse that tells us that we love him because he first loved us? Jesus took the initiative to love us and that in itself gave us the capacity to love him. We didn't even know what true love was until he loved us. Jesus loved us first. He took the initiative. He came looking for us. He pursued us so that we could pursue him and know salvation and freedom from sin through him so that we could live a life that was pleasing to him by the Holy Spirit. He loved us, and as a result, we can love him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, and this is critical to understanding motivation through the love of Christ. For Christ's love compels us. We have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. And if you know anything about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, as you continue in that passage, it emphasizes the importance of us understanding and remembering that in his, in his love, he reached down, he died for us, he saved us. And because of that, we ought to be motivated then to do what? To be his ambassadors. And to talk about this reconciliation that we had with God to others. Advancing the gospel and making disciples so that they can have this relationship with God. Willingly. He loved us. We love him, we willingly submit ourselves to his lordship, motivated by his love. Subjection is the act of a ruler that forces obedience. That is not what you find from Jesus, is it? Submission is the act of someone who acknowledges legitimate authority and arranges himself accordingly. At the end of our study, we're going to talk about what it looks like to arrange yourself accordingly under the lordship and the headship of Jesus. But we're not forced to do that, are we? Jesus doesn't force us. 
He laid down his life for us. He perfectly loved us and continues to perfectly love us, giving us the perfect motivation to love him and submit to him. But he doesn't force it out of us. He gives us the ability to make a choice motivated by his love. And as we acknowledge his legitimate authority and as we allow his love to embrace us and we find our motivation in it, then we can live the life well that he's called us to with our motivations being pure. You see, it's not out of duty and it's not out of obligation that we serve Jesus and submit to him. It's out of love. And there's not a better motivation than that. There's a second word that I want to study with you today from our text, and I call this completeness. It's another aspect of submission. It speaks of being comprehensive. And the, the, the text lightly touches on it, but I want to point it out to you. I want to go to verse 24 in our text. Because as we submit to the lordship of Christ in the church, individually as well, we must do it willingly, being motivated by his love. But we're talking about something that is comprehensive too. It is complete. In other words, we must be all in. We can't hold anything back from his lordship. We must submit to him in everything. Look as the text lightly touches on this in verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. The church is to be submitting to Christ in everything, and a wife is to submit to her husband in everything. Submitting to Christ in a comprehensive way in everything. What does that kind of submission look like? Well, I think Matthew 22 kind of tells us about this. Look there in verse 37 with me. He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Here's the second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets depend on these two commands. All the law and prophets. If you take those ten commandments, you can divide them not quite evenly, but you can divide them into two compartments. One that defines what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself, and the other compartment that tells us what it looks like to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. All the law hangs on those two commands, accurately stated by Jesus. But this is what it looks like to, to comprehensively submit to the lordship of Jesus in the church. I'm going to love him with everything that I am and everything that I have. And there is nothing that I will hang on to. I will let loose of everything in my life to love him. I will even count everything as loss to love him and to know him better. Isn't that what Paul says in Philippians 3? But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, who? My Lord, my Master. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth 
so that I may gain Christ. Everything coming under uh, subjection to him, I'm submitting in every area to him. What does this mean? I think it means that we have to think along these lines. There is no room for compartmentalization when it comes to submission. Nothing can be off limits to the lordship of Jesus in the church. All of our power, position, pride, and preferences must be subject to him. And as someone else said, if he isn't Lord of all, then he isn't Lord at all. So I want us to think again, as I asked you at the beginning, individually. I want you to think right now what's going on in your own heart and what's going on in your own life. Is there anything in my life, is there anything in your life that you have declared off limits to the lordship of Jesus? And you've decided, God, you can have everything else. Jesus, you can have everything else in my life, but I just want to keep this I want to maintain control of this. I don't want you to meddle with this. I'll give you everything else over here, but I want to hold on to this thing. I want control of this. I want to do what I want to do in this area. I'll give you everything else, but not this. Maybe for some of us, it's more than one area. It's more than one thing that we're holding on to. Maybe it's relationships today that we're holding on to. Say, God, you can have everything else, but you cannot have this relationship in my life. I want to do as I want to do in this relationship. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I imagine that there are probably a lot of people who walked in here today with some broken relationships in their life. Just broken. And, and maybe there's broken relationships because of our own bad decisions or foolishness or sin. And maybe what we need today to see healing in those relationships is humility. But if we hold on to that and we don't give it over to God and submit to him in that area and submit to Jesus and his lordship over us as the church, if we don't give that to him, we're going to continue suffering pain, negative consequences, and all kinds of other things that God really doesn't want us to have to live through. He'll allow us to do it and he'll give us his grace to do it. But if we hold on to those things and we don't submit them to Jesus as Lord, we will have a lot of sorrow in our life instead of the joy that God wants us to have. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's not a relationship. Maybe it's a possession or a resource. And you've said, God, you can have everything else in my life, but I want to keep this. I don't want you to have control of this. I don't want to submit this to your lordship, Jesus. I want to use this resource or this possession for myself. And I don't really want you to, to have a claim on it at all. I want to keep it for myself and use it for my own self-centered purposes. I have no idea what you walked in here with today, but I imagine all of us carried some baggage that needs to be relinquished, that needs to be submitted to the lordship of Jesus. So if we haven't comprehensively submitted, completely submitted to him, why don't we work on those areas that we're still holding on to today and give them to Jesus one step at a time by his grace. I told you that we would go back to the beginning of the passage as we closed, and that's what we're going to do now. 
the third word that I believe that describes our submission to Jesus. As we willingly do it because we're motivated by his love, as we completely do it because we trust him with everything in our life, this really leads us down a path of obedient living, doesn't it? And that's really what the first part of our passage talks about in great detail. Now again, I am not going to reread the first 21 verses, but these 21 verses deal with what it looks like in the life of someone who's in the church who willingly and completely submits to the lordship of Jesus. It's a life of obedience to Jesus. It's a life of submitting to what you find in Scripture and letting it dictate how you're going to think, how you're going to talk, and how you're going to live. It even gives you the proper motivation, of course, for doing all of it. So what do we find under this obedience? I have a list here. I'm not going to spend a long time on each of these. I want to highlight them. A lot of the work that's going to be done as a result of this message will be after we leave here today. We're all going to have to dig deep into our own hearts and lives and let God's word change us. We can't do all that work here and now. Let me highlight these things. You work on them as the Spirit of God talks to you about each one. You have what I call lifestyle in verses 1 through 3. Look at verse 3 with me. But among you... There must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. And then what does it say at the end of verse 3? Because these are improper for God's holy people. No sexual immorality or impurity or greed because these things are improper. So think about your life with me today. Think about your life. Are we moral people? Are we, are we pure people? Have we allowed any impurities into our life or any of our relationships? Are we greedy? Are we always wanting more, self-centered living, that kind of a lifestyle? Are we submitted to the lordship of Jesus in these lifestyle choices? Scripture goes on to talk about our speech and our speaking. Look at verse 4 with me. Obscenity, foolish talking, coarse joking, which are out of place. Instead of doing these things which are out of place, be thankful, the scripture says. Rather give thanks. I want to pause a moment and just cause you to think about these things. We, we are living in interesting days. All of us are aware of this. It's not taking any of us by surprise this morning. We're not, we're not surprised by this. And more and more in our culture and society, issues are coming to the forefront that maybe we never thought we would ever have to address or deal with, right? There are some gender things that I bet none of us ever thought we would have to deal with in, the, in society and in culture. There are other sexuality things that are coming to the forefront like never before. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff happened just within the last week or two related to all of these issues. And we've been sorting those things out in our minds. And as believers, we've been trying to form a worldview that's consistent with Scripture. And we should be doing that. As a church, corporately, we do have positions on these things. You can find them in our statement of faith. And we stand solidly on Scripture. We allow God to determine what we should think about sexuality in all ways. 
gender and every other thing included in that discussion. We do our best to, to form a position that is clearly rooted in Scripture, plus and minus nothing. We stand there without apology. But as we do that, we have to stay out of the fray that verse 4 talks about. The obscenities, the foolish talking, and even the coarse joking. And I just want to warn all of us today that as we take our stand and we stand on biblical truth in some of these areas that could be easy to make light of, to joke about, or even make fun of, refrain from that. Don't get pulled into that. And remember, those people who do not take the same stand that you have, maybe people who don't even see Jesus like you see Jesus, they may be confused about some things in their life. They may be adamantly opposed to you and your position. They may even hate you. They may hate God. It, it really is a broad spectrum of people involved in these discussions, as you know. And we shouldn't hastily generalize any of them. But there is one thing we need to do. We need to lovingly engage them with the truth. We take a firm position. We don't apologize for that position. We know it's not the most popular position. But the way we go about presenting the position, defending the position, and showing Jesus to people who don't take the same position is important. All of this coarse talking, foolish talk, joking, or even obscenities should never find their place in the talking and the speech of a believer, no matter how emotional we are about our position. We can't let emotions rule us. And we need to remember that all of these people who may disagree with us in these areas of which we are talking, they have dignity. They were created in the image of God, just as much as we were created in the image of God. And as fellow image bearers, we need to engage them with, with truth in a way that will show them God's love and the gospel so that they can have the same relationship with Jesus, if need be, that we have. And nothing about our speech or the way that we engage them should ever push them further away from Jesus, but only draw them closer to him. In verses 6 through 10, we have discernment talked about. Someone who is living this life, submitting to the lordship of Jesus, is developing discernment because they are submitting themselves to truth, and they know truth, which allows them to see error. Live as children of light, verse 8 says. And, and so on. And, and we are to understand what is not right. And we are to understand what is right. And we're not to be partnering with or linking ourselves up with that which is contrary to God's truth. Look at verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. How do you accomplish that? Well, you're submitting to the lordship of Jesus. You're studying his words and his teachings and allowing them to impact you in your life. And then you can see what is wrong. Verse 11 can be difficult for some. Look at it with me. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Listen, the church doesn't have the option of being silent. The church has to speak truth. 
In fact, the scripture here says that we have to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. We have to shine the light of truth into the darkness and that will expose the the things of darkness. It has to be exposed. And the church doesn't have the option of just sitting in the corner and keeping its mouth closed. We have to speak truth. We're called to that. If we are going to take the gospel to those who need it, and we're going to make disciples out of those who haven't believed yet, we have to speak the truth to them. And the truth is going to expose what is wrong and what is dark with the light that it has. Now again, as I mentioned to you before, how we do that and the words that we choose to use, the attitudes that we choose to have, our disposition, all play a part and we're accountable for that. But being quiet is not an option. And the one who submits to the lordship of Jesus is going to work through this and is going to expose the darkness in a way that brings glory to God. But it has to be done. It's not comfortable. It's probably not something that we're ever going to love doing, but we're called to do it with the truth that God's given to us. Verses 15 and 16 even address the time management of someone who's submitting to the lordship of Jesus. Look at those verses with me. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. One translation says, redeem the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Don't waste your time. Don't waste the opportunities that God brings to you and that allows you to have to make disciples, to advance the gospel, to stand and proclaim what is true. Every opportunity should be taken advantage of. And so consider whether or not we're being good stewards of the opportunities that God brings our way. You know, a lot of times these opportunities are seen as inconveniences to us. We have no idea what God's up to, but he allows something to happen in our life that kind of gets in our way a little bit. You ever been there? And, and maybe you have a conversation with somebody that you had never had a conversation with unless you had been inconvenienced. You ever experienced that? What would you do with that opportunity? Well, I'll be honest with you. There are a lot of times when the inconvenience itself becomes my focus. If you don't believe me, just ask my family. They know all about this. The inconvenience becomes my focus. And it can cause a range of emotions. It can cause disappointment. It can cause distraction from what God's trying to do. We need to slow down a little bit in life and stop allowing ourselves to be inconvenienced so much and see those inconveniences as opportunities because God often puts something in our way to slow us down, to stop us, to bring us in contact with people that we would otherwise never know for an opportunity. The opportunities could be many different things. But what do we do with those things? Are we buying back the time, redeeming the time because the days are evil? Are we making the most of every opportunity? Or are we too busy allowing ourselves to be upset because we've in some way been inconvenienced and we miss the opportunity? Manage your time well. Make the most of it for the glory of God. Verses 18 and 19 talk about mutual edification. As we submit to the lordship of Jesus, we're going to build each other up 
We're going to do it by talking about Jesus and his word. We're going to do it by worshiping together, verses 18 and 19. We're just going to build each other up. And in that environment, what happens? We become very thankful people. Because we're focusing on Jesus and all that he's done. We're singing about it like we did this morning. We're encouraging one another. And what happens? Well, we can always give thanks, like verse 20 says, to God the Father for everything in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. And finally, we'll close with this. This life that's totally submitted to Jesus because we love him after being loved first by him, We can practice deference. We can get along with each other, submitting to one another, deferring to one another out of reverence for Christ. Not insisting on getting our own way all the time in non-essential things, but allowing others to enjoy their life too. And giving in and and, and finding middle ground in non-essential ways. Getting along with each other for the sake of unity. Coming around the gospel and agreeing on all the essentials. But when it comes to preferences and other things that are not taught in Scripture, but are things that we form because of our likes and dislikes, we need to practice deference. And if we submit to the Lordship of Jesus, we'll be able to get along in that way because that leads us down a path of humility. And it takes humility to defer. So, what is the church? Well, today it's a community of faith that submits to Jesus, his headship, his lordship, willingly because he loved us, completely because we trust him, obediently because that is the path that we are placed on as we submit to him. And we embrace that life because we love him. Let's bow and pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your love, that Jesus showed us your love in person, in color, for our good, for your glory. Thank you for that. Help us to be motivated by it today and help us to embrace submitting to the headship and lordship of Jesus. We'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.